Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. I'm so glad to, to have you here. Talk a little bit about how you came up in manufacturing. Like, uh, you know, was this a family thing for you to be working in a shop, or how did that all happen? No, actually, my background, I came from a farm. Okay. And I went to Penn State, uh, took an engineering degree, and got involved in manufacturing. Uh, I was going to originally be a uh, mechanical engineer in the farm industry doing farm equipment and that type but my wife and i moved back to erie and i got involved my first jobs was was with erie resistor designing fixtures and so forth for capacitors oh wow then i got to i worked at reed manufacturing and plumbing tools but all this time after getting a, a a theoretical engineering degree um i began to learn that there's a practical side to manufacturing yeah and that it took me a few years, but as you get more into manufacturing and you grow in that area, you really learn how it is you make things. Yeah, and and again, the the idea of that kind of that being mechanically inclined. Do you feel like you always had that coming up on the farm? I mean, we, you know, when stuff goes down, it's not like you're calling the mechanic to fix the you know the hay baler, hay baler, yeah. hay baler, hay baler. yeah. Well, even to this day, if I interview someone and they've come from a farm background or they've got come through uh, working on cars or garages, have that mechanical yeah. aptitude, that mechanical that mechanical inclination, you always take a real hard look at those individuals and know that they've got those types of abilities and aptitudes, mm-hmm. and it's a huge plus. Yeah, see that that's that's like the direct opposite to me. I'm the I'm the talker guy. Um, so all right, so as far as when you think about Labor Day and manufacturing right now, uh, what would you say is the state of, of where manufacturing is at here in Erie County and maybe even globally as you look at it? Again, you're, 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 you're very well read in this kind of thing. Well, even before we start that, yeah. I'd like to just uh, tip my hat to all those individuals that are in, the, in manufacturing in the labor pool and mm-hmm. all those people who are working. This, this Labor Day weekend is a tribute to them and – the manufacturers that recognize that the people that work with them and for them in their companies, the fact that they are their most valuable resource and the companies that treat their employees that way are the companies that are successful. And so it's, that's really important to remember. And it's a responsibility for manufacturers to know that they have to take and treat their employees that way. And for, uh, to have a whole culture that's based on that. But right now, manufacturing is is really it's a tough business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a uh, lot of pressures. Number one, because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of your supplies, a lot of your materials that you buy, whether it be the plastic pellets, whether it's your aluminum rod, aluminum, whether it's your oils, uh, different steels, and so forth. Through this period of time, a lot of those supply chains have have pulled back. They laid off individuals and so forth, and you just don't turn that around. A lot of your mills producing your aluminum and steel are out, used to be out four to six months. Now they may be out six to nine months or maybe even a year. They don't have the same capacity. And so the cost of some of your raw materials has gone up 20, 30, 40%. And so there's a lot of pressure on that end. 
Is this a, is this a global market that you're generally buying raw materials? Or are you talking mostly domestic? Well, a lot of your materials, it's all a global market. Okay. A lot of your steels, a lot of your aluminum, uh, we buy steels and stainless from Italy. Uh, they're they're coming from England. There are domestic sources, but yeah, materials are coming from all over the world. It really is a world market and world competition. And and, and because of COVID. It was a huge contagion on on getting those those supplies to market. Well, the entire supply chain, because of COVID, everything shut down, everything slowed down, the mills slowed down, your distributors, people don't didn't stock, they didn't reorder. Mm. Uh, so now, when things are starting to loosen up, now all that back demand is is coming to light, and so for manufacturers, especially like for machining concepts, whenever people are ordering materials, they need them or they want a product for us to build for them, they need it right now. It's not like, okay, we can project out, we're going to need this in the next quarter, we need this out in, in six months. It's basically, we didn't do it. Uh, now, all of a sudden, we do a lot for oil and gas. Yeah. And so there was a pent-up demand for certain valves and valve parts and those types of things, and they need it now. And so now it's tough to get materials, tough to find the labor to, to get this pent-up demand and to, and to meet the, the needs of what are out there. Do you think that uh, both the end user and the guys actually making the goods um, kind of took just in time too far? Again, you don't want to have a lot of capital wrapped up in the tool room or in or in the warehouse. But uh, it sounds like uh, it just in case would have come in handy uh, about a, a year and a half ago, huh? Well, it, it would have, but you don't do just in time just overnight. Uh, in a lot of your processes, you have to have the productivity you, from your from the individuals in your processes. You've got to have the right equipment to be able to reduce those setup times and to, to make that product turn around quicker. And so when you've got your customers who have pulled back and said, okay, I'm not going to order this today because I'm not sure you know, when I'm going to need it, so they don't order. And then you take and all of a sudden now they do need it. You just don't turn the screws real quick. I was going to say the cascading effect of not that of that non-order is make is 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 uh, certainly affected uh, all over the place. We're seeing it in automotive, right? I mean, I mean, it's, instead of just keeping their chip order going, they said we're going to stop all chip orders, and now they're stopping all car manufacturing. I mean, they're they're closing plants down for two three weeks. And that's what's happening, even like in some of your metals, like in the aluminum, trying to buy rod aluminum. We were buying product, uh, and you could get it within a week or two and at a normal cost. And now it may, if it is even available, it may take four to six weeks, and it's now 30, 40, 50% higher. Oh, my goodness. So this is a real generator of inflation. I mean, I, again, things are costing more than they did before. Absolutely. Inflation is, is a big part of that. And so all of a sudden now we've got all this demand and people haven't been spending money. They haven't been going out to, to eat and so forth. They've been doing home projects and those types of things. But there's a, a supply of money out there because the government has taken and made sure that people have the money. And now they now all of a sudden people are putting that money to work and saying they want to buy goods and services. And now because your supply chain pulled back because of the covid now you've got all that demand out there. You've got people wanting to do it, and now you've got to have the demand or the products and services try to catch up to that demand. Wow. 
So, so where where are we at? I mean, as as far as um, are you ha- are would you say that most manufacturers are having a bad year, medium year, or good year right now? I would say right at the moment, most manufacturers are probably having a a decent year. We're starting to come back uh, after about a year and a half or two years where it was extremely difficult to because you were fighting. Uh, not getting the orders yeah all right and so you were keeping people the ppp money came and it helped you keep your employees it, it kept people from uh, not being laid off it took and you were able to keep your workforce intact but your efficiencies were down because you were you, you were just making do right. uh you didn't have the number of orders so your economy of scales your economy of scale wasn't right in order to to really do what you needed to do so from that stand, profitability really was was tough. Now this year, with all the demand, uh, your orders are coming in, but now it's tough because you you have a uh, material elevation in price, right. and your labor, if you can find people to work at the moment, and we'll see how that's going to change mm-hmm. here in this next quarter, but not having the right people and not finding enough labor to get the work out has made it tough to now to to meet that orders and get the stuff out on time. Not, I don't mean to ask you a political question, but I, I, but you're you're an expert in this, so I want to find out. Do you feel that the extra unemployment has kept the labor force artificially uh, unavailable to manufacturers like you and your colleagues? Well, I'm not sure I'm an expert in that, but it sure seems to. Okay. Uh, there's definitely a situation where we've been trying to work with uh, agencies to ha- to have labor. And they simply don't have the resumes coming in the door. We've taken and looked for individuals individually as a company. And you find individuals, and I've had interviews where people have said, well, I'm looking at this uh, right now. I'm going to back to school. I've got, I've got the money, you know. And you can tell when the PPP money and some of those uh, additional incentives for unemployment begin to run out. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, someone will come in and they say, I've got some bills to pay. I've... Uh, my unemployment's running out. Uh, what, what, you know, do you have some work? Yeah, do you have some work? It, it's interesting because uh, honestly, it would it would make sense. It it doesn't make sense unless you have the work ethic. It really doesn't make sense to go work for less than what you might be making for sitting at home. Uh, but now that that's going away, it seems like that start that they're hoping that that will turn around. Now they're saying that some of the early states that you know didn't extend all the way to September, like we have here in PA, uh, they're not seeing the huge uh, increase in workforce. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out yeah. because once people take and get used to not working, they find the means, they find the you know how they've adjusted their lifestyle. What do they really need to do the things they need to do, and can they do a little bit more with less? There's a whole new new normal, yeah. And I don't think we really know what that normal is yet. Do you think that there's there would still be though these skilled laborers sitting on the sidelines? I mean, I mean, somebody that really knows how to run a CDC machine or or something like that. Or well, we CDC. had a even before the pandemic, we have a labor shortage when it comes to skilled machinists or skilled people in yeah. manufacturing. You do, you already had a shortage. We already had a shortage. The pandemic just exaggerated that okay so when we come out of this pandemic we're not going to magically just find skilled people 
Mm-hmm. That that is another that's another problem besides the pandemic. Right. We got two different things going on. And again, I do realize it's CNC, not CDC. <laughs> Get all my letters mixed up. Would you say that uh, in Erie County, manufacturing is still stronger than most areas of the country, especially in the Northeast? Yes, there's no doubt up in, in our area, in this tri-state area, that the manufacturing is a bigger percentage uh, of, the, uh, of the economy than, than is normal. Yeah. In other areas. And, and again, it's it, people like to kind of mention like Wabtech or, or uh, I guess it's, it's it, you know, as far as like the big, big employers, they're about it, you well, know, for, from the big for over a thousand. Yeah. But the, the part of Erie that's really interesting is the fact that Erie is made up of a lot of small, innovative uh, companies. Right. And it's these small companies that are really the driving force uh, behind a lot of the jobs. But when you start thinking about it, there there are jobs in each one of these small companies, and a lot of them don't have the 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 power to recruit like a like a like like a, a Parker Lord would or uh, or a uh, or a, a Wabtech would. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about recruiting. And and uh, first off, uh, is are you basically do you do you focus on developing? Um, a workforce here locally, or how broad is the net when when it, when you're a manufacturer like yours, Jim? When you're a manufacturer in this area, you're really looking at at local people. Okay. You you don't have the the resources to go out and and look for people two, three, four, five hundred miles away and recruit them in like you do the large manufacturers uh, with a lot of their positions where they pay for uh, moving expenses and all those types of things. A small manufacturer that doesn't doesn't really work and so we have a workforce of about 30 individuals. Uh, and so we have to find people that are local. We, we hire a lot of young people. We have an apprenticeship, a four-year apprenticeship, state-approved apprenticeship, so that uh, they can work through those uh, the skills they need to, to grow. And most of your small manufacturers are doing a lot of training of, of, of individuals for their business and, and training them for the skills that they need individually. Uh, so are are we talking about uh, uh, training on pr- a particular piece of software or a particular machine, a particular mill, or, or are you tr- are you kind of doing the whole shooting match of like, hey, this is how a mill works? It's kind of a combination. Okay. All right. Typically, I mean, because I've heard this so you know back when we had plenty of workers. They, they would say, well, I want to have this guy that knows this exact uh, version of software, you, you know, of this of this CAD design software, you know, and we're not going to teach you unless you have that. Well, now you can't be that choosy, can you? Well, you can't be that choosy, but that's when you bring people in. That's what you begin to train them on. And the big thing that – the first thing that companies look for – especially small companies or any company anymore, is the integrity of the individual. We're looking at people who have a work ethic, want to be there every day. Uh, the fact that they've, they don't have any kind of uh, addictions, the fact that they are uh, just upright standing people and they're going to help contribute to your business. They have a, a work ethic. Once you have that and you have, they've got some basic skills, and this is where the, the high school's, and your secondary education can be so valuable is making sure they've got the good math skills, they have the sciences, uh, and they have those types of skills. Then once 
uh, individual graduate, they can take and come to a company like ours with those kind of credentials, and we will begin to train them. It may start on one machine, but right at the moment, uh, once you learn that, when you go to the next level, and during an, an apprenticeship or over four or five years, you begin to learn more of the entire business, and that's 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 how you do it. You're really trying to get them a well-rounded uh, expertise. Uh, now, how how do you? I mean, with you doing all that investment, uh, how do you keep somebody like that once they've been kind of gone through the learning process? Well, you have to keep employees by continuing to challenge them. It isn't just wage. Uh, they have to have more responsibility. They've got to be wanting to learn to the next level. They've got to be invested in the mm -hmm. job, invested in your work, and, and so forth. That's that's what really takes and helps with retention. You mentioned a, a word in the in the first segment that I want to repeat back at you. We've had the conversation with the the head of workforce development for the state, uh, Deputy Secretary Ireland uh, for El, from LNI, and she talked about uh, the culture of the concern of the organization. How important is culture at your manufacturing plant? Cult culture is huge. Yeah. So for our company, we are just, uh, we've got a medical certification. We also are ISO approved, and now we're going after our aerospace. And there's a culture that goes along with that. When someone comes and works with it, they have to understand that the part they're working on is so important that it's, it can be life-threatening if it isn't right. So they have to take it very seriously. They've got to understand that it's got to be right. And there's a whole process that happens to make that. And so it can't be, you know, when you come to work, you've got to care. You've got to care and have that sense that you're saying what you're doing is important. And that's, and, that's and, really And key. I would think, too, that, uh, that that that's obvious for that foreman or that, that manager of like – I mean, again, a lot of people have had bad experiences at plants, and, and that's kind of like a two-way street, right? It could, be, it could be the worker on the line, but that, that foreman has to be all in. Well, it's not only the foreman. It has to start from the top down. Absolutely. It has to it has to start from the very top. It has to be with the owner, the president, uh, whatever is your controlling entity. It has to be important to them. They have to treat individuals as, just like we said, it's Labor Day. You've got to treat your employees right. They've got to be invested. You've got to take and, and they've got to be a part of the process. It can't be any more where, and this is a big difference because, it used to be if you're in manufacturing, you envision coming in, you're doing a job. You're standing behind by a machine. It may be dirty. You're running a repetitious point of parts. You're not asked to think. You're just asked to take and 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 produce the parts. Yeah. And don't ask me any questions. Just produce the parts. That whole world has changed. It's no longer dirty. Everything's by done by computers. Everything has a purpose. You have a certain process. You have to follow the process. It's... It's become high-tech. The mundane stuff is now, if it isn't, it's going to be automated. You're not going to just load a part into the machine. We're a precision, precision machine shop. We make to other companies prints and specifications. We okay. don't have our own product line. Okay. So, so basically, um, do they come back to you like, uh, hey, can you make another thousand of those or whatever? Or? Oh, yes. We definitely have our repeat customers <laughs> yeah. and uh, – repeat products and different product lines that we we do or make parts for them but uh yes a lot probably about 
70 to 80 percent of our parts are are repeated business how is do you have lineage in tool and die how 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 important is tool and die anymore in erie well tool and die and is a very is still very important in erie uh there's a lot of plastics companies there's no doubt a lot of it went the tool and die a lot of it went offshore some of it's coming back because of quality uh but that's a that's huge in in erie it still is because of that plastic because of the plastics and so forth a lot of companies a lot of that's based uh from a precision manufacturing standpoint that is uh instead of and making, you're talking like a thousandth of an inch or a thousandth of precision, a, yeah, you're uh, talking, of a micro yeah, you're talking uh, about million. hairs yeah hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's it's very precise a lot of the stuff we do uh for aerospace there's one part that we do that we have to gauge them with air because wow. you can't have any scratches uh it's a part that goes into the flight uh systems for controlling fuel and jets and uh it's it's very precise. You've got to use statistical process control to control your process. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, quality checks and processes that have to be confirmed. Uh, it's a big deal. I'm amazed at how we kind of got into that, that we have this oil and gas kind of thing that we do around. I mean, we're as far away as Texas as we could be. Of course, you know, they found oil in Titusville, so I don't know how much how much of that heritage is there. But when you think about Smith Meter and some of the places that have done meters around here, we had we actually have a a lot going on in in that kind of measuring and valving and stuff like that when it comes to oil well, and gas. The, in Erie, that that business kind of started with one company, and as that company began to grow, an engineer would leave and he'd start off his own little offshoot. And so there was a pocket here gotcha. uh, for that oil and gas and for those those stainless valve fittings and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happens is now you have the suppliers of the tooling. You've got the suppliers of the materials. You've got the skilled workforce uh, knowing the types of processes you need and, and the types of machines you've got. So that kind of builds its own little industry. But what has happened is a lot of those local companies now have been purchased by the big players outside of Erie. And some of that work has gone away. Yeah. Now, for Machining Concepts, we continue to deliver to the bigger companies because a lot of the products and services that that industry was built around are still remaining here in Erie. A lot of that technical ex- expertise is still here. Can you think of other clusters uh, off the top of your head that uh, have kind of bloomed like that? Oh, my. I mean, we have a lot of automotive, right? Yes, there's automotive, uh, but that's not as locally accepted as the tool and die and, yeah. and some of this uh, oil and gas. Uh, and we seem to have aerospace, I mean, with the, Parker Lord and, yep, and some of There's a lot of aerospace. Lord definitely yeah. has, picked, has picked that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, in, it's, in, it's interesting because, uh, again, uh, my mantra has always been, you make the steel in Pittsburgh, but you do something with it in Erie. And we've been doing that for 120 years plus, you know, uh, whether it was uh, uh, stoves. I mean, you go down to the you go down to the museum and you see all the things that we've used to make, mm-hmm. you know, and still make. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. I, I want to pivot to workforce because I think we got to stay on stay on task because I could I could talk to you all day long about uh, where things are going. But um um, and and I, I and then there's a whole other part of this, which is 
artificial intelligence and algorithms and you know and the knowledge part of all this right but let's talk about manufacturing and coming up as a manuf- uh, uh, in manufacturing as an apprentice all right so what would be a dream scenario let's say i'm a ninth grader and i'm you know i'm interested in mechanical things is that is that where it starts it might even start a little bit earlier but yes definitely by eighth ninth grade uh they're beginning to sense and they do some testing in high schools and so forth where they can start to get a sense for where uh, a student uh where their aptitude is and what their interests are but that's where it needs to start and some even promoting or promote that it even starts beyond or before that. Yeah, just just to have some exposure. You know, sometimes they'll do a, a field trip to a plant or something like that. Yes. And and then, uh, do you suggest that uh, that in order for kids to kind of get the the broad exposure to 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 seek out whether it's um, you know the, the Erie County Technical School or Votech in at Erie High or, or wherever, like to kind of maybe. Think about shop classes, or that's not necessary? Well, shop class, they've eliminated the shop class in the high schools. But then they've said, okay, it's going to be done at the tech schools. But that's three years, three three years of, of just shop. And that can be very valuable. In fact, what's happening in our area, like the Erie County Tech School, there's only a very limited number of people and students that are going there. In fact, there, that program is reducing in size. And so many of your tech programs and those types of things are, are not being attended. Mm. Uh, so there's a new way to do it. And you look at like the Mill Creek, what they're doing out at McDowell with their, with their manufacturing academy. Uh, General McLean has is, is got a manufacturing academy. And what that's begun to do is because, you see, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, students out there that – our college material, but may not be ready to go to college or want to go to college, but they've got these, some of those same abilities. And so for them to begin to learn uh, and take a lot of the educational classes, like the, some of the college prep classes, that kind of stuff, that's really important for them to continue to do, but to get uh, other applications in order to get to information you need to be able to get to apprenticeships and those types of things it's really important is there is there something that's happening to that that is limiting kids going to the votech and we'll we'll have to have a talk with those guys but like i mean is is there something happening with the administrations of the, of the different school districts where it's too far of a drive or too much of a time commitment to go to to uh, your your uh, vocational training I don't know if it's that or in some cases, maybe it's the stigmatism of, of the students Seriously. that are going there. Yeah. Uh, at, the, at the home school, it, it's always been a little bit like we're, you're going to vote tech. It takes the exceptional student to have the fortitude to say, I'm going to vote tech. I'm going to be in the machining uh, program, do it for three years. And they serve during that during their senior year. They go out on a co-op. Mm-hmm. And when they graduate, they've already got a job. They've already earning money. But that's not the norm. Interesting. Uh, the, their peer groups and so forth don't look at that as a, as a real pathway. And we have to begin to develop uh, incentives and pathways. So, for instance, like at the at McDowell, when they've got that in their home school and it's to replicate like a machining business and so forth, their students become involved. Yet They, they get can, paid to make 
tools at, at yeah. on those mills. Yeah, but it's they, incredible. Yeah, but what's happening is students there they can still take a lot of the math and the sciences yeah. and the other things that they need to support it because there's a this is a lot of technology now in manufacturing. It's not the same old place. It's high tech. Uh, it's computers. It's it's processes. I mean, it's, flat it's screens above the mills. I mean, you know, all of the controls are on a flat. I mean, it's remarkable what they have at McDowell yeah. there. And you Mc, know. Yeah, and McDowell has developed uh, in working with uh, other manufacturers of the machine tools to help mm -hmm. get those tools in there. They've made a place that is it's it's more state of the art. Yeah. And they uh, and they have the whole welding thing as well. Um, I, we have a question here. So uh, they graduate. They could go into a. They could go right into apprenticeship from graduation. Is that how the next step would be? Yes, in many cases, uh, you can start. You know, preparing for that apprenticeship before you even graduate. Yeah. So so talk about pay scales and so on, because I know that there's like a sliding scale generally. The kind of the longer you're into the apprenticeship, the more you make, and then what you can maybe come out as uh, when uh, you know when you're kind of certified out of that apprenticeship. Can you talk about that? We can talk about that. That really varies uh, a great deal okay. from company to company. Sure. But for instance, in your tool and die the apprenticeships, the old school is the fact that you went in at a very very low wage for the first couple of years, and you work your way through it, mm -hmm. and then your tool and die makers were the we're kind of the cream of the crop. Right. Uh, and once you get through an apprenticeship, it goes up very drastically. All right. Uh, and today in a lot of the apprenticeships in different companies, it's, 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 uh, I think the average for your, uh, in manufacturing is in that if you, and there's a lot of state statistics to do that. Yeah. But in the averages, you're in those 30 to 40 range. Uh, as you begin to to get through, and that's in your CNC machinists and those types of things, and it varies widely from company to company. But as you start out, you may, and and this is what's so important uh, for parents and people to realize, is that you have a student that's come through high school, and they may have taken uh, some classes, and they're considering going to college, but they're not really sure if that's what they want to do. Maybe they want to work for a year or whatever. They may want to consider taking and getting into some type of manufacturing and some type of apprenticeship. And the reason for that is economics. Think about things for a moment. If you go to college, the average tuition for a college might be twenty-five to 30000 If you look on the Internet, it depends on whether it's in-state or whatever. But sure. just use those numbers. Sure. And you do that for three or four years, you're easily talking $100,000. Absolutely. If you take and you're not sure and you – because the percentages of kids that aren't motivated to go to college may not finish, they can spend forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars and not really come out with what they really need. But let's say you are involved in manufacturing, you get involved in the first couple of years, you only make say twelve to fifteen dollars an hour. You might be making twenty five to thirty thousand dollars. Over four years, that's a hundred thousand dollars plus. So after a four-year period of time, that's a swing of come of not coming out with a loan of maybe a hundred thousand dollars from from college or whatever, but you've actually come out with a hundred thousand dollars of earnings. Yeah. And so that's a swing of 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 two hundred thousand dollars. That's pretty remarkable. And so and yeah. so from a standpoint of that, and what have you learned? Mm -hmm. Now you've started in in manufacturing. You've learned some of the core skills. Once you learn the core skills. 
then you can begin to advance. You might become a supervisor. You might become a lead programmer. You might become go into into the sales part of the business. You could become into go into purchasing. There's once you have, it used to be that you could train to be a, a manager or a supervisor and go in. Now the way it is, in order to be effective, you've got to have the base core skills so that you can communicate and work with your employees and, and, and control the processes. So once you go in and learn the core, then you graduate up from there. And so wow. it's, it's really important to learn manufacturing from the ground up. I, I hear a lot of complaints from employers about soft skills, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. If you're willing to come to work on time and uh, you know uh, have a clean uh, drug record or whatever, you, you can go pretty far. Yes, you can. You know, I mean, that's um, what what about, uh, you know, what other soft skills are do you do you look for? I mean, you're talking about integrity is the is the biggest thing. It is integrity, the ability to come to work and so forth. But you really need you need good math skills. OK, uh, you need some science skills. I mean, there's a lot of uh, figuring feeds and speeds and so forth and figuring all that type of stuff when you're actually cutting materials and so forth. But you also have to understand the science of the materials, what's hard, what's soft, uh, what's aluminum, what's steel, what's the difference. If you have plastics, how malleable is it? Yeah. There's So strength of materials and so forth, that requires a good common basis of science. Right. Interesting, interesting. The, the, uh, what do you think is the forecast for uh, you know, as as we kind of come out of this pandemic, uh, again, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, uh, you know, college is is really expensive." You know, there's there's they're waking up now. The pendulum is swinging a different way. Do you anticipate that uh, we will have a strong workforce for the advanced manufacturing that Erie is known for? We're going to have to work at it. Okay, employers are going to have to work at it. It, it isn't, it's got to be the responsibility of all of us. Employers have to get involved. We have to be willing to, to let students come in and shadow. We've got to give them tours. We've got to connect with the parents and have the parents come in and see the facilities. They've got to see what we're doing. They've got to understand how it's a new age in manufacturing, uh, and it's not the same old as it was. Uh, Do you there, feel that sometimes the parents are, are the toughest nut to crack because so many of them have – have uh, that experience of being in the shops or even grandparents at this point, you know, oh, yeah, I worked at the Besiris Erie and it was a you know, filthy job or, you know, you hear yeah. this stuff, right? Well, I'm a parent. I have two sons uh, and neither one of them wanted to go to necessarily go to college. Okay. But what they've done is my one son went in and he got a two year degree uh, in electronics and in uh, maintenance. And then he went to a maintenance school for the Akuma down in South Carolina, where he spent six months learning how to service, build, and maintain the CNC equipment. Gotcha. And now he came back, and he's, he's repairing and doing all that type of stuff. He worked as a service tech and learned a skill and now has a, a lot of potential and so forth. So all of when you get into manufacturing, once you graduate high school— if you're a student, you've got to understand you've got to do something to improve your skills. It doesn't end with high school. Right. You have to take and have some post-secondary. The manufacturers need to be willing to take them under the arm, help them pay for some of their training they need, 
and get them the skills that they need to be able to grow and do the things where, where they're interested. Do you feel that there's good coordination between like the Erie Regional Manufacturing Course Consortium and what's coming up uh, as far as the Erie County Community College and even the Northern Regional Community uh, Regional College? There, it's an exciting time because the new community college and even the regional college that's here, the Northwest Regional College, mm-hmm. are listening to the uh, what was the Erie Regional Manufacturing Partnership. It mm-hmm. has now taken and combined with the chamber. Okay. And with that, with going with the chamber and their emphasis, we're reaching out to the schools. We're reaching out at the secondary level. We also have a chance to work very closely with the emerging community college and developing those skills and developing the curriculums and developing the path, the pathways that are needed. Because there needs to be a pathway for high school students as juniors and seniors or even before that to begin to learn and have those things and move into programs through the community colleges. Uh, so... It's there. It's for us to be able to say this is as a manufacturers and as company owners and so forth, we need to make sure that we get the message with the help of the chamber and so forth of saying this is the type of worker we need. These are the type of classes we need. This is the pathway we need to create. This is how we need to change the image, help change the image for parents and to realize that in the skilled trades, whether it be machining or plumbing or roofing or whatever it is, there's a huge future in these types of uh, skilled trades. And we, we've got to make develop those pathways. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the baby boomers will not be here much longer as far as active workforce. I think there's some, there's some uh, ladies and gentlemen that want to retire, but they're afraid that there's nobody back there with their specific skill set, you know? Well, there's no doubt that through this pandemic, we've we've seen the fact that there are some baby boomers that have already begun to retire and that yeah. maybe have accelerated that process. We also do see a lot of uh, baby boomers that are hanging on, mm-hmm. uh, but we definitely have to develop a new pipe, pipeline. The uh, One of the things that happened over the past 20 years, the, the skill center, which was located up in the Erie County Tech School, they were developing two to 300 or 400 individuals a year in the skilled trades in plastics and welding, uh, machining, industrial maintenance, and so forth. And because of the changes in in the way the government supported training and so forth, that went away. Wow. And we've that was 20 years ago. And we've literally lost a generation of training for us, for skilled labor. And we've got some work to do to catch up. We'll leave it there. Jim Willets, thank you so, so much for the conversation from Machining Concepts. And again, this is a very, very important uh, part of that. I like to call it the three-legged stool. I mean, manufacturing is not going anywhere in Erie. And we need to make sure that that, that that leg is as strong as it's ever been. Thank you, Jim. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>